Amen. 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 Uh, Please take your seats. Uh, And God has done great things, hasn't he, over those 10 years? Amazing. Yeah, we can give the the, the Lord a round of applause. He's done amazing. And and I hope at home you also feel uh, equally part of this celebration. And some of you at home, you were baptized here. Maybe you were part of, maybe you met your life partner here. Maybe you got a job here through our job club. Uh, and we celebrate that of those people, as Helen said, there have been people who've come here to get food, even during the lockdown. Uh, five days a week, people have been coming here to get essential food of what they need in order to uh, just survive through this really challenging time. Uh, we thank God for each and every person, don't we? Uh, and we know that greater things are still to come. So God has done great things, but we can say with great confidence that he is still going to do great things. He's, he's, I believe he's also going to do a great thing today, and he'll do some great things tomorrow as well. So we celebrate this together. Uh, and uh, I, as we kind of, uh, this is almost a pivoting point today, uh, we're going to thank God for what he's done. We're going to expect him to do something in us today, and we're also going to face the future. And I just thank God, and I give all glory to God. But I also want to say to all of those, All of you who have given on a daily and a weekly and a monthly and a yearly basis, all you who have been volunteers here and part of the journey so far, thank you so much. So we give glory to God, but we also recognize the tireless work of our incredible team uh, of staff and volunteers and leaders. So we're so grateful. Uh, We are so grateful, aren't we, for his faithfulness uh, and his goodness. So praise, praise the Lord and we give him thanks. Now, today we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 127. This is a really well-known psalm to many of us, but I hope today, and we'll pray in a moment, that the Holy Spirit will like shine a torch uh, on the words and they'll jump out, or from the screen, and they'll jump out at us because the Lord wants to say something to us today. Now, in particular, I, I want to notice, I want you to notice as you open your Bibles or look on the screen briefly, uh, the opening kind of in the title of this psalm, It says, a song of ascents, a song of Solomon. Okay, so many scholars have, they've come kind of not quite debated, they've not had an argument about it, but they they are not quite sure whether this is a psalm that was written by Solomon or a psalm that was written for him. In fact, uh, some scholars, and I kind of favor this, is that in verse 2, when he uses, and you'll see it in a few moments, when he uses the phrase about, um, he talks about the beloved, he uses in the Hebrew, Jedidiah, which is another name that was used for Solomon. So I like the idea that this is King David, who is writing this psalm for Solomon, uh, so as the people are going up to Jerusalem, they're going up to the temple, they're going up to worship, and they're reciting this, it's kind of the wisdom of a father to a son. And in these words, there is so much uh, profundity, so much for us today, um, really relevant to us today as we think about building, but also really relevant to Solomon as he's going to build a family. And he's, he really built a family, didn't he? How many wives did he have? How many kids did he have? Um, he built a big family. And anyone who's ever tried to parent knows that building a family is hard work. It's the toughest thing we could ever try and do. Uh, also, uh, Solomon is going to be a king. He's going to have dominion. And so he's going to have a job, if you like, a career, responsibilities. And this psalm speaks to him and to us, uh, to anyone that would try and build a career. 
Uh, it also, of course, speaks about building a house. So uh, let's read this together, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. There's a message for any dads. How joyful, any mums. How joyful (laughs) is your quiver full? Anyway, he will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Unless the Lord, the title for my talk today is really simple. Unless the Lord. This applies to every single thing we would ever try and build. This actually applies to every relationship we would try and build. It applies to everything we would put our hand to. Unless the Lord does that, then it just comes to nothing. In fact, in the Latin, uh, it's translated as nisi dominus frusta. And if there are any Scots who are watching, any Scots in the room? Anyone from Edinburgh? Okay, no one from Edinburgh. Well, if you're from Edinburgh, you'll know that the Edinburgh coat of arms has these words in it in Latin. Nisi Dominus Frusta. In fact, if you go into the central lobby in the House of Commons, who's been to the House of Parliament? Has anyone seen the lobby? A few. So you might have seen there's a, a lobby floor which has a beautiful mosaic. You know, it's the lobby where all those opinionated, cynical journalists stand and they comment on all the stupid decisions that the parliamentarians are making. Well, this is in that central lobby. And there are people in the House of Commons, people in the House of Lords. And in that central lobby, on the floor, and I've seen it with myself, are these words from Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. What a foundation in our country in the central lobby of Parliament. Would it be that we would return to that, church? Any amends, anyone? Would it be that we'd return to this passionate belief that unless the Lord builds a government, unless the Lord builds a nation, then all the work is wasted? See, that was the heart of those who cut those stones and put them in that lobby. It's the heart of God today. And if you're trying trying your best to build a future and build something in your life, to build a life, then these words just let them flow and minister to us today. Now, we're going to go from the end of the psalm to the beginning, okay? So we're going to look first at verse 3 and 4. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. Here's Solomon with a big family, with children running around, with the noise that children make. Was the mess that children make. You know, I, I actually want to, I believe there's something here for every parent here. Sometimes, let's be honest, having kids feels more like a burden than a blessing. Sometimes. On some days, the very children we prayed for push us to our limits. They take our temper to places we didn't even think possible. This is the confessions of a dad. Now, I love, and I know my kids are watching, I love you more than I could ever express. I am so grateful that you actually are the answer to my prayers. But at times, being a parent can feel like a heavy burden. 
And here, Solomon has in this psalm, the psalmist says, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward. Children are a gift. I want to say to you today, if you find right now the burden of parenting too heavy, I just want to share with you this wisdom from the psalm. Unless the Lord builds a family, parents waste their efforts. So stop trying to raise your kids. Stop trying to raise your kids without the Lord. And you might be, and if you're here and you're a single parent, I I don't know how you do it, but I do know how you can do it. You're not raising your children on their own. On your own, you're doing that with the Lord. If you're doing it with the Lord, you can build a great family as a single parent. Hallelujah. Amen. That's true, isn't it? So I just want to give an encouragement. All of us who are trying to build families, unless the Lord builds a family, the work of the parents is wasted. But I also want to expand this because some of us are not in a family. We don't have kids. Our kids have grown or we've never had the chance to have kids. I want to say this is a word for you as well. You're part of a church family. And in a church family, each generation tries its best to raise the next generation. That's what happens, isn't it? That's what we try. We're all trying. We're working hard. And I want to tell you, I can give this as a guarantee, that the leaders and pastors and members of the team here in Wellspring Church are doing our very best to raise a healthy church family in Wellspring Church. I want to say you're part of a church family that is growing and becoming more healthy. But I'm telling you, the work of pastors and leaders comes to nothing. It's worthless without the Lord. There's no point trying to grow a church without the Lord. That seems obvious, doesn't it? But unless the Lord builds a church family, the leader's ministry is pointless. All the work, all the clever ideas, all the solution finding, it comes to nothing without the Lord. And I'm here, and Helen and I are here together as senior leaders of this church family saying, Lord, hear our prayers, unless you build Wellspring Church as a family, whatever we do is going to come to nothing. And over 22 years, we've had times when we've done things, if I'm honest, when I think we've done things without him or done things for him that he didn't ask us to do, and it has come to nothing. I'm just being honest. But unless the Lord builds a church family, the work of leaders is, comes to nothing. It's pointless. Verse 2, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. (laughs) He gives rest to his loved ones. He gives rest to us. And actually in the Hebrew, uh, where it says in the New Living Translation, anxiously working for food to eat, in Hebrew it says the bread of sorrows. And people have commented, what's the bread of sorrows? I think it has to do with that feeling that you've toiled and worked so hard, you finally get bread on your table and you're eating, but actually you know the next day you've got to work just as hard again to get the bread on the table. It doesn't taste so good when it feels like it's slavery. And I really believe that we need to stop building careers. We need to stop earning ourselves a living. Now, please, I'm not saying that tomorrow you write a letter of resignation to your employer. Don't quote me. But I think we need to stop earning a living and stop building a career without the Lord. Because when we do that without the Lord, our restless work is fruitless. 
unless the Lord builds a career, our restless work, that's what the psalm says, is fruitless. It comes to nothing. The Lord wants to give us rest as well as work to do. Can I hear an amen? He wants, he loves us. And he doesn't want to work on our own. And I want to say, anyone who's trying to make the right academic choices, choose the right course, the right university, you're trying to get the right job, maybe you've, you've, you've kind of you know, plotted out your career journey for the next however many years. I just want to say, you can try and do the very best on your own, but unless the Lord builds your career, then all of that restless work is going to be fruitless. Some of the most fruitful people I know have just trusted the Lord step by step by step by step. And they didn't know the whole plan. They just knew the next step. So I want to give that encouragement to all of us who feel like our job is more like slavery. That's not the heart of God for any of us. So let's work with him and work for him. And he says in verse 2, for God gives rest to his loved ones, to Jedediah. I think David's saying, look, you've got some work ahead of you, but do you know what? God gives rest to his Solomon. <laughs> I love that. Now verse 1, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. You see, Solomon would go on and he would build. He would build uh, the temple. He would go on and, and the city would be in its most glorious stage up until then. There would be walls. There would be people living there. There would be defences around it. He, he would go on to do great things. But, but this is the wisdom of the psalm. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord guards and protects, then all the plans and the labour will just be worthless. In fact, the message paraphrase says, unless the Lord builds a house, then uh, it says something about the work of the, all that we do is build a shack. You know, so we might think it's glorious, but unless the Lord builds it, it's going to be easily toppled. The Lord is watching over what he builds and he will protect it. He is our insurance policy. Hallelujah. He is the one who looks over those that put their trust in him. Think about the amount of money we have to pour into insurance policies, to, to protections, all this risk aversion. We do a risk assessment almost whether that piece of tape should be on that stage at this point in time. And what are the risks of someone tripping over? I don't know, we don't really. But it's almost like there's risk assessments everywhere. We are so risk aware, sometimes we forget that the Lord is with us and he's asking us to put our trust in him. And unless the Lord protects us, all of our insurance policies are a waste of time, right? Unless the Lord, unless the Lord, unless the Lord. And I love this because people are on their way up to Jerusalem. This is a song of ascent. They're on their way up to Jerusalem, up to the temple. And what they're reciting and thinking. And do you know what? They've left their houses behind. They're on a pilgrimage. They're going to a festival. They're going to worship. They've left their fields behind where, I don't know, foxes could come and ruin the, the crops or where uh, robbers could come and rob their house. They're leaving it behind and they're going up to the city and they're saying, do you know what? Unless the Lord guards my gaff, then there's no point having such, you know, that's good, isn't it? It's the same. And do you know, they've stopped work to go to a festival to go and worship. They're left behind their emails They've left behind their to-do lists and they've gone to the house of God and they're saying, do you know what? Unless the Lord builds my house, 
then all this tireless work is wasted. Unless the Lord builds a house, plans and labor come to nothing. Now, it's really relevant as we're going to show you in just a few minutes. I'm going to, I want to show you, we're going to show you a really exciting video so you get to look around the new extended Wellspring Church Centre. I can't wait for you to see that. And faith is going to rise up in your heart. Imagine what Solomon had when David, who had the vision of building the temple, imagine what was going on in David as he passed down to Solomon. Look, unless the Lord builds a house, then all your work is going to be worthless. Solomon has He takes on the challenge. What Solomon doesn't do is sit down on the mountain with folded hands, maybe, you know, with his legs crossed and waiting for the temple to arrive. What he doesn't do is sit there and just hum and look to the sky for the great crane of Yahweh to reveal from the sky this great monumental palace and the temple and the walls he he doesn't sit listen this is what happens and you can read about this in second chronicles one to six it's a great story in chapter one they make it he starts off and it's a brilliant story you see when he gets the command and he knows the lord is with him maybe when he hears this psalm i don't know a thousand offerings are offered Then there are 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses. Then listen to this. In chapter 2, what is commissioned? 70,000 laborers, 80,000 quarrymen, 3,600 foremen to look out for and to boss all the other people I've just mentioned around. There's 130,000 people who are put to work to build this. Solomon doesn't wait for God to do it. Even though he knows unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the laborers is wasted, he gets to work. And, this, and in verse, chapter 2, verse 5 of Second Chronicles, uh, Solomon explains this is a great temple to honor the God of gods. In fact, in 2 verse 7, it talks about master craftsmen. He, he, he actually hires the best craftsmen, the best woodcutters in the whole of the area. He commissions them. He commissions 130,000 people, as I've said. They make, he makes sure that they are paid well. He gets the best equipment, the best people to build the best building that has ever been built on that piece of land, ever. Solomon's temple was renowned. The Queen of Sheba later would, later would come from Cush, from Ethiopia, to come and see this incredible building. It's awesome, but it was hard work, you know. 20 years. 20 years of building. Some of those quarrymen probably died before the building was finished. Some of those woodcutters probably didn't see it completed, but they did their bit, didn't they? It's a bit like some of the cathedrals in this great land, built over 100 years. Great vision, hard work. In chapter 3, you'll read, if you read this, there's almost like a 3D walk around video of all the dimensions, very specific dimensions, how big this was to be, which way it was to face, what materials to use. And then I want to kind of bring into land with this. So it says in chapter 5, verse 1, this is what it says. Chapter 5 of Second Chronicles, listen to this. 5 verse 1, so Solomon finished all his work on the temple of the Lord. So he finished all his work. Whose work? I'm a bit confused. It was Solomon's work. 
but it was the Lord's work. But it was Solomon's work, but it was the Lord's work, but it was definitely Solomon's. 20 years of keeping the people focused. And then we get to this point in chapter 6, which is just stunning. All the people gather. The quarryman's hands have been ripped to shreds. The woodcutters have got scars all over their hands for all the building work. There's blood in this building, yes? And they finally get to the point of the opening ceremony, the dedication of this day. And I love what happens. And may this be a lesson for us. So Solomon builds a platform. This is what he says in verse 12 of chapter 6. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel and he lifted his hands in prayer. Now Solomon had made a bronze platform seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high and had placed it at the center of the temple's outer courtyard. He stood on the platform and then he knelt in front of the entire community of Israel and lifted his hands towards heaven. Before we read what he prayed, this is really significant. Okay, he builds a platform so that people can see him. Yes? So it's four and a half feet up because lots of people around and they don't, they've not seen, they've not followed his Instagram post. They don't know what Solomon looks like maybe. So he stands on the platform and then waves at them, effectively. He stands and says, hey, everyone, I'm over here. I'm over here. Okay, I'm, I'm solo. You know, here I am. And the people go, yay! It doesn't say that. This is my imagination. Everyone goes, yay, Solomon! You did it, Solomon! Remember, they celebrate his work. And, but he builds a platform about this high so he can kneel. He builds the platform so he can kneel. Then listen. Listen how he prays. O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven and earth. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. Hallelujah. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You fulfilled it today. And then he goes on. He kneels before the people because you know what? Unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord builds a house, all the plans and labor come to nothing. But I'm telling you, when the Lord says he's going to do something, he'll do it. And whatever God does in your household, let's not take pride. Please hear me. Let's not take pride in our kids. Let's give thanks to God. Uh, Let's not take pride in our careers. Our CVs are a load of rubbish without the Lord. Amen? Let's give thanks to the Lord. And one day, and I'll show you around it in a minute, okay? Or our team will. One day, when we open the doors of this extension, if I'm still on the planet, and I hope I am, if I'm here, you will see me kneeling and giving thanks to God. And how much more do we know? You know, when we think about Jesus, who later would walk in the courtyard, when we think about what he said, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are part of the real building, the eternal building. We are. And the Lord is building us. And let's all agree together as we come to pray in a moment. Unless the Lord 
builds what he wants to do, we're wasting our time. But this is the heart of God. And let me finish with this and then we're going to pray together. This is the heart of God. I feel like the Lord's saying this today. Trust me. Let me work with me. Rest with me and work for me. I'll say that again. Trust me. Let me work with me. Rest with me and work for me. And when we say yes to that, the impossible becomes possible. When we say yes to that, anything is possible. So we're going to come to pray in just a moment. We're going to do a bit of business with God together. And I want to encourage you. I know know cynicism grips us all at times. You might be at home on the sofa thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just sure I've heard this before. You haven't heard this, but this is a fresh word today. Please understand just how much God's heart longs for our faith to rise up again, to become stronger and to have a vision capture us. Now, going back, in fact, it'd be good for us to pray and then I want to, yeah, I think I want to pray first and then I want to hand over to Peter Stott. But let's just agree just now, just to pray a simple prayer. We'll do more praying in a moment. But actually, what I think I want to do right now is I think I just want to pray my own personal prayer. You might want to say amen or pray your own prayer. Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God of David, God of Solomon, you're also my God and you're my King. And Lord, we declare today and I declare today, let everything in this place and in this church family happen according to your will. And Lord, I pray you continue to do something so spectacular here that only you could get the glory. That's our prayer and that's our desire and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, back in 2003, a grandfather in the faith, a man called Peter Stott, he prophesied to us uh, in the girls' grammar school hall. Some of you know this story. Uh, If you haven't seen that prophecy, don't go to it now, but in the chat right now, if you're watching this online, uh, the link to that YouTube video, it's just a three or four minute video um, you know, it was edited on equipment that used to have to wind up with a little handle, right? So it's a bit old school, but not quite. Um, but uh, if you watch that video, you'll later on, you'll catch the heart of what Peter said. He prophesied in a time of global economic meltdown that, that we would be given land and that we would build something where people would come and meet with God and be refreshed in the wellspring. Well, we wrote to him and spoke to him and asked, could you send us a video for today? This is Peter Stott kind of sharing his heart just for a few minutes. So I hand over to Peter and thank you, Peter, for being part of this day. Good morning. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak a few words uh, on the occasion of the 10th anniversary of your building. Uh, Because in a strange sort of way, I feel kind of connected to it. Uh, And there's a history to that as well. Um, I remember we were away at a a church um, weekend. And uh, at a certain point in the weekend, we were invited to pray for what was then Watford Community Church. And uh, as, as we started praying, I felt the Spirit of God stir me 
and I would say mightily. <laughs> and uh, he began to stir me in a way, and I, I, I was concerned because I didn't know anything really about the church or what your ambitions or vision or plans were. Um, but you know what? I'm quite glad I didn't because often knowledge in the sense of, you know, human knowledge can uh, detract from the purity of a prophetic word. And as we were there, um, the, the, the Spirit of God, as I said, really began to stir me. And uh, it, it was like I heard what the Lord was saying in my head. And I thought, this is quite a significant word, but I'm going to launch out anyway. And in some trepidation, <laughs> I began to prophesy um, concerning the building that I guess you're now in this, uh, this morning. And uh, I, I remember him clearly speaking to me about a building that would have great significance, not just for you as a local congregation, but for the locality and uh, the region, and indeed going into nations. And it, it's a word that, part of which I think has already been fulfilled, obviously, because you're now in the building, well in the building. And uh, I, I think we can take encouragement from that, because if the first elements of a prophecy have been fulfilled, it can give us great confidence to know that the rest is on track. What I would say this morning is, because it's been spoken by God, and you've proved this already, it won't just happen. We have to apply ourselves diligently to what God is saying. And my purpose this morning, I think, is to encourage you strongly to press in to the next stages that God has for you. It would be very easy to rest on your laurels in a very nice building. And, uh, but I think the Lord wants you to heed the rest of that word. And what I would say is that I think the context for um, the outflow from you as a people uh, is, in, is that of a national awakening uh, in which you will have a part to play. So, just want to speak that encouragement to you. Um, and in these somewhat difficult days of lockdown, we need to remind ourselves that we have a hope and a calling and a destiny that is well beyond the immediate. So, celebrate well, be very thankful to the Lord, and lay hold of his promises, because the plans he has for you are wonderful. Thank you.